Welcome back. Hemming Brainiacs for Book 5, Chapter 9 of Buddenbrooks. Nice to have the siblings catch up like that. I just thought it was a nice moment to have them bounce off each other. Nothing brings you up to speed quicker than two main characters uh, discussing things. You know, you get it from both point of views. You, you get to feel each other, them out. In, so you feel each character out in regards to each character. It's very illuminating, and I liked the way it was done. It doesn't happen very much in this book, I feel. TA131901 says, I was struck by the last paragraph. It was quite ominous, like something out of a horror movie. Can't be a good sign, though Tom seems to have genuine admiration for Gerda. The last paragraph being, it was Gerda, the mother of future Buddenbrooks. Ominous is the perfect word for it, says Tecrific. What manner of children will these two have to warrant such a proclamation? Skylar and Charad... 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 I don't know what that is. Some kind of a Greek mythology reference, apparently. Um... I mean, didn't they just... They just got married, right? I don't see why it's... Maybe I'm missing something, but why is it so ominous that... They're referring to his new wife as the mother of future Buddenbrooks. Maybe I'm missing something. Um, TA1901 says, Gerda definitely has a femme fatale vibe. Davy Bone says, ominous and or sexy. Which one? You be the judge. I'm... <laughs> Neither, really. They got married, and she's the future mother of generations. I don't know. What am I, what am I missing? Swim said the moment fishy says, Well, they, Tony no longer thinks she's a silly goose, and he's looking for her next role in life. Yeah, she's uh, growing up. She's grown out of thinking she's a silly goose. And Jewel Stang says, Finally caught up after missing a couple of weeks. What a ride book five has been. I hope that everything works out for Tom and Gerda, and they seem to be very fond of each other, despite that perhaps the more frivolous Gerda doesn't really fit well in the Lubeck mercantile upper class. Um, well, welcome back, Stang. Glad you caught up to us. And I forgot to mention yesterday, well, actually, I didn't forget to mention, I just didn't realise, but um, yesterday's chapter, Book 5, chapter 9 was the last chapter of book 5 so today we start book 6 um, which is cool I like that disjointed I just feel I don't know maybe I, I you know what I think I'm a bit fatigued from just reading back to back classics for what is it like 4 years now or something like that um that especially with this book I feel like it's not very hard to read it's actually pretty easy to read but for me it's just a matter of how much of it is actually like sinking in you'd think reading it out loud that I would be absorbing more but I guess I am like I'm following the story but I just don't feel very familiar with the characters which is strange to be 300 pages into a book and just Really not feeling that I know the characters that well. I wonder if that's just me, or if there's some sort of... It's a bit disjointed, just the structure of the book as well. 
the way the story plays out, the way the characters are situated within the plot. Anywho, I'm just curious if it's just me being fatigued or if that's something other people might be experiencing too. With that said, let us read uh, chapter one of book uh, six. Thomas Buddenbrook took a solitary early breakfast in his pretty dining room. His wife usually left her room late as she was subject to headaches and vapours in the morning. Excuse me. <clears throat> the console went at once to Meng Street where the officers still were, took his second breakfast with his mother Christian and Ida Jungman in the entresol and met Gerda only at dinner at four in the afternoon. The ground floor of the old house still preserved the life and movement of the great business, but the upper stories were empty and lonely. Little Erica had been received as a boarder by Mademoiselle Wichbrot, and poor Clotilda had moved with her few sticks of furniture into a cheap pension with the window of a high school teacher, a Frau Dr. Krausmintz. Even Anton had left the house and gone over to the young pair where he was more needed. When Christian was at the club, the Frau Consul and Ida Jungmann sat at four o'clock dinner, alone at the round table in which there was now not a single extra leaf. It looked quite lost in the great spaces of the dining temple with its images of the gods. The social life of Meng Street had been extinguished with the death of Consul Johann Budenbrook, except for the visits of this or that man of God. The Frau Consul saw no guests but the members of her family who still came on Thursday afternoons, but the first great dinner had already been given by the young pair in Broad Street. Tables were laid in both dining and living room, and there were a hired cook and waiters and Kistenmacher wines. It began at five o'clock, and its sounds and smells were still in the air at eleven. All the business and professional men were present, married pairs and bachelors as well. All the tribe of Langholz, Hangenstroms, Hanius, Kistenmakers, Overdieks, and Mollendorps. It finished off with whist and music. They talked about it all in glowing terms. On the bourse for a whole week, the young Frau Consul certainly knew how to entertain. When she and the Consul were alone in the room, lighted by burned-down candles with the furniture disarranged and the air thick with heavy odours of rich food, wine, cigars, coffee, perfume, and the scent of the flowers from the ladies' toilets and the table decorations, he pressed her hand and said, Very good, Gerda. We do not need to be ashamed. This sort of thing is necessary. I have no great fondness for balls and having the young people jumping about here, and besides, there is not room, but we must entertain we must entertain the settled people. A dinner like that costs a bit more, but it is well spent. You're right, she answered, and arranged the laces through which her bosom shimmered like marble. I much prefer the dinners to the balls myself. A dinner is so soothing. I had been playing this afternoon and felt a little queer. My brain feels quite dead now. If I were to be struck by lightning, I should not change colour. Next morning at half past eleven, the consul sat down beside his mother at the breakfast table, and she read a letter aloud to him. Munich, April 2nd, 1857. Marienplatz 5. Dear, sorry, my dear mother, I must beg your pardon, it is a shame that I have not written before in the eight days I have been here. 
My time has been so taken up with all the things there are to see. I'll tell you all about them afterwards. Now I must ask if all the dear ones, you and Tom and Gerda and Eric and Christian and Tilda and Ida, Ida, are well. That is the most important thing. Ah, what all I have seen in these days. The Pinocotec, Pin, Pinocotec, and the Glebtothec, and the Hofbrauhaus, and the court theatre, and the churches, and the quantities of other things. I must tell you of them when I see you. Otherwise, I should kill myself writing. We have also had a drive in the Isar Valley, and for tomorrow, an excursion to the Wormsy is arranged. See, so it goes on. Eva is very sweet to me, and her husband, her Nidapa, the brewery superintendent, is an agreeable man. We live in a very pretty square in the town with a fountain in the middle, like ours at home in the marketplace, and the house is quite near the town hall. I've never seen such a house. It is painted from top to bottom in all colours. St. George is killing dragons and old Bavarian princes in full robes and arms. Imagine. Yes, I like Munich extremely. The air is very strengthening to the nerves, and for the moment I am quite in order with my stomach trouble. I enjoy drinking the beer. I drink a good deal, the more so as the water is not very good, but I cannot quite get used to the food. There are too few vegetables and too much flour, for instance, in the sauces which are pathetic. They have no idea of a proper joint of veal, for the butchers cut everything very badly, and I miss the fish. It is quite mad to be eating so much cucumber and potato salad with the beer. My tummy rebels audibly. Yes, one has to get used to the great, to a great deal. It is a real foreign country, the strange currency, the difficulty of understanding the common people. I speak too fast to them, and they seem to talk gibberish to me. And then the Catholicism. I hate it, as you know, I have no respect for it. Here, the consul began to laugh, leaning back on the sofa, with a piece of bread and herb cheese in his hand. Yes, Tom, are you, you are laughing, said his mother, and tapped with her middle finger on the table, but it pleases me very much that she holds fast to the faith of her fathers and shuns the unevangelical gim crackery. I know that you felt a certain sympathy for the papal church while you were in France and Italy, but that is not religion in you, Tom. It is something else, and I understand that. We must be forbearing, yet, in these things, a frivolous feeling of fascination is very much to be regretted. I pray God that you and your Gerda, for I well know that she does not belong to those firm in the faith, will in course of time feel the necessary seriousness. You will forgive your mother her words, I know. On the top of the fountain, she continued reading, there is a Madonna, and sometimes she is crowned with a wreath, and the common people come with rose garlands and kneel down and pray, which looks very pretty, but it is written, go into your chamber. You often see monks here in the street. They look very respectable. But imagine, Mama, yesterday in the Theatina Street, some high dignitary of the church was driving past me in his coach. Perhaps it was an archbishop, anyhow, an elderly man. Well, this gentleman throws me an ogling look, out of the window like a lieutenant on the guard you know mother i've no great 
opinion of your friends, the ministers and missionaries, but Thierry Trishk was certainly nothing compared to this rakish old prince of the church. Horrors, interjected the Frau Consul, shocked. That's Tony to the life, said the Consul. How is that, Tom? Well, perhaps she just invited him a trifle to try him, you know. I know Tony, and I am sure the ogling look delighted her hugely, which was probably what the old gentleman wanted. The Frau Consul did not take this up, but continued to read, Day before yesterday, the Niederpoils entertained in the evening. It was lovely, though I could not always follow the conversation, and I found the tone sometimes rather questionable. There was a singer there from the court opera who sang songs, and a young artist who asked me to sit for him, which I refused, as I thought it not suitable. I enjoyed myself most with her permanida. Would you ever think there could be such a name? He is a hop dealer, a nice jolly man in middle life and a bachelor. I had him at a table and stuck to him, for he was the only Protestant in the party. He is a citizen of Munich, but his family comes from Nuremberg. He assured me that he knew our firm very well by name, and you can imagine how it pleased me, Tom, to hear the respectful tone in which he said that. He asked about Erika, and Grunlich too. He comes sometimes to the Niederpals, and is probably going tomorrow to Wormsea with us. Well, adieu, dear Mama. I can write no more. If I live and prosper, as you always say, I shall stop here three or four weeks more, and when I come back I will tell you more of Munich, for in a letter it is hard to know where to begin. I like it very much, that is, I must say, though one would have to train a cook to make decent sauces. You see, I am an old woman with my life behind me, and I have nothing more to look forward to on earth, but if, for example, Erica should, if she lives and prospers, marry here... I should have nothing against it, that I must say. Again, the consul was obliged to stop eating and lean back in his chair to laugh. She is simply priceless, mother, and when she tries to dissimulate, she is incomparable. She is a thousand miles away from being able to carry it off. Yes, Tom, said the fair consul, she is a good child and deserves good fortune. And she finished the letter. All right, there we go. Another chapter for you. Tony having a good time over in Munich. Seeming to think that she's an old lady at the end of her life. Although, how old is she at this point? Not that old. Alright, thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.